Welcome to episode six of Legitimately Interesting, the podcast from the Bristow's Data Protection Team. I'm joined today by another special guest star, uh, an associate in our team, Will White. Hi, Will. Hi, Hannah. Thank you. Today, we're going to be talking about the new draft guidelines from the EDPB that, depending on who you talk to, are either going to break the internet as we know it or protect users from the next generation of intrusive tracking tools. The full title is The Guidelines on the Technical Scope of Article 5.3 of the ePrivacy Directive, which is not particularly snappy, but the content of these guidelines has huge consequences for how businesses engage with uh, and how consumers experience the web. And I think it is, as promised, legitimately interesting. So maybe before we get into the guidelines themselves, it would be worth just setting the scene. And I think most of our listeners will know this already. But Hannah, maybe you could just set out for us briefly what Article 5.3 of the ePrivacy Directive is all about. Absolutely. So the ePrivacy Directive is very commonly known as the cookies law. Um, There's quite a lot in it, but Article 5.3 in particular concerns the gaining of access to information stored on a user's terminal equipment, or indeed the storage of information on a user's terminal equipment. So you can see how that very quickly became all about cookies. And what Article 5.3 says is that you need consent for the storage of information or gaining access to information already stored, unless you are doing that for the transmission of a communication or unless it is strictly necessary to provide an information society service uh, requested by the user. And this is what has led to consent management platforms, cookie banners, cookie consents for everything other than essential cookies. So as you say, the e-privacy directive in its current form has been around for quite a while now. Like browsing the web in 2023 is very different from browsing the web in 2008. So with that in mind, why is the EDPB releasing this guidance now? What's changed? The guidance themselves, what the EDPB does is it works through every element of Article 5.3 and talks about them in turn. So they start off, they talk about what is terminal equipment. They talk about what require, what is required in terms of there being a network connection. They talk about the fact that e-privacy um, applies very clearly to information and not only personal data. Um, and then probably the most interesting bits of the guidance for most people is the bit where they talk about the me- their interpretation of the meaning of um, gaining access to information on the terminal equipment, and then also this concept of storing information and information already stored. And then lastly, and we will come and talk on, come to talk about this in a minute, they identify certain use cases where they think it probably does apply. Um, and there's an awful lot in the the statements made by the EDPB there about the concept of gaining access and storing information, which have set an awful lot of hairs running, I think, in the kind of amongst the online industry, because of just how broadly they have interpreted these concepts of gaining access and storing far, far beyond, I think, what we've always previously thought of their meaning. Yeah, so maybe we should come on and talk about some of those specific use cases that the EDPB sets out. Um, One of those is pixel tracking. So here we're talking about a marketing email um, that I might receive from a company and there might be a little image embedded in it. um, And when my email client loads that email, it's going to see this image. um, It's going to go out to the URL that's in the email and it's going to maybe send a little bit of data about 
who I am. Potentially, there could be a, a unique identifier embedded in it. And as a result, the company that sent me the email is probably going to be able to figure out that, at the very least, that somebody's opened the email, but maybe even that I've opened the email. Um, so is this the kind of technology that the EDPB is saying is now going to be subject Article 5.3? It absolutely is. I mean, I think that pixel tracking is always one that people have been a little bit uncertain about because and it, it clearly the EDPB, this is exactly the sort of technology they have set their sights on. Things that enable a level of tracking of the user without a cookie. The real challenge for these sorts of things, though, is how on earth do you even get consent um, in the context of an email, who's responsible for that? Can that really be the email client? How would you get consent before you open the email? You can't really get consent as part of your marketing consent. And so I think that's part of the challenge with these guidance. Some of it is, goodness me, are we just going to have to get consent for everything? And some of it is at a sheer practical level, how would you even get a consent? Um, and so, yeah, that's a, you know, that's a really good example of one that is going to definitely be very problematic. And we'll just have to see, does this lead to the end of these sort of tracking technologies? Does it see to people getting much more creative in terms of consent? What kind of levels are we going to see from people trying to comply with these standards? That's really interesting, isn't it? And there's an overlap between pixel tracking and one of the other technologies that the EDPB t- talks about, which is link decoration. Um, so here we're talking about Um, Obviously, normally in my browser, I'm going to click on a link and it'll take me to a particular URL, but there's an awful lot of other information you can include in a URL. You could have a whole string of parameters on the end, and one of those parameters could be, and indeed often is, a unique identifier um, that could tell you that I'm a particular, particular user of a site who's gone out to a new link, or it could tell you about where I've come from to visit your site, all that kind of thing. Um, And this is just a core technology for the web. This is how everybody does business. Um, and so far as I can see, it seems possible that this is also going to be uh, a technology that needs consent under 5.3. That is certainly where the EDPB have landed. I think it's worth us spending a little bit of time talking about why they think that as well, because I think this is one of the really interesting bits is that, so the, the EDPB and the European regulators have always, always taken a very purposive approach to e-privacy law, partly because it is so old. They felt like they you know, had no choice but to, and it's a, such a short amount of text. It's about three sentences that's turned into this you know, whole regime. And so they've always looked at the purpose and said, well, if it's tracking, online tracking, we think it must be within scope. And it's really interesting to see that applying that to something like pixels and link decoration, where the storage that they are fixing on there and the access is is so brief and so fundamental to just the way that we all think about the internet functioning, that I think that's a, that's a big shift compared to the way that we think about cookies or something, which are, you know, I think we can all sort of get comfortable with the idea of, oh, no, that is, they are stored in the browser. And then and then that thing that was, you know, stored for a reasonable period of time is then sent off um, the device. And I think with link decoration and pixel tracking, it's very different. I mean, the EDPB suggests that it's that very temporary storage in the cache, simply whilst the image is displayed that constitutes storage. But of course, that's just every web page ever. Yeah, it's really interesting, isn't it? I think, as you say, a lot of a lot of the hairs that have been set running, as you put it. Um, A lot of that, I think, comes from this, the way that the EDPB is construing the words of the e-privacy directive when it says storage and gaining of access. Um, And toward the end of the guidance, there's this really interesting use case they set out um, about essentially gathering users' 
uh, information through web forms or through forms on a mobile device, whatever it happens to be. And what I think is new here is that they go really low down the technology stack. So whereas, let's say, cookies are pretty high-level high level technology, you're talking about telling a user's browser to store some data or the browser's sending you some, some data. Um, here they use the example of the user is typing in some information. And because when the user types in that information, it goes into your CPU cache, it goes into your RAM, that very, very short duration storage is for the EDPB, storage that is subject to the ePrivacy Directive. Yes, I think this is where some bits of the guidance gets very problematic. And I do, you know, I so we haven't mentioned yet that these guidance, this guidance is only open for, it's open for consultation. So it is, it's sort of a draft in some ways. The consultation closes on the 28th of, of December, sorry, so do get your responses in. Um, because I do think there are some sections of the guidance where they are, moving just too far from the law for my liking. The guidance refers to storing information and access to information already stored. And for me, that term already definitely applies some implies some sort of temporal distinction whereby the information must be stored for some length of time. Now, the EDPB very clearly says in the guidance is no maximum or minimum amount of store amount of information. So no minimum threshold and no minimum amount of time for which it can be stored which enables them to say that it's storage when you have this incredibly sort of um what's the word that i'm sort of incredibly temporary just ephemeral is the word i think i'm looking for ephemeral storage before information is communicated simply as part of your interaction on the web yeah one of one of the things i think is really interesting is that if you follow the reasoning that the EDPB takes right through to its end, you do come up with some, I'd say, unintuitive conclusions. Um, and in some cases, I think it's probably or potentially not what the legislators had in mind when they drafted the law. I would have to agree there. The only thing I suppose is worth thinking is, I mean, it's always difficult to think what people had in mind in 2009 when this thing was passed. I mean, you know, into the technologies just looked so different that I think, you know, you can see where this sort of challenge is in from, where they're trying to sort of retrofit a very old, very brief law into new technology. And this is what the e privacy, the sort of doomed e privacy regulation, which still is theoretically alive, is trying to fix, albeit it actually uses very similar language, is to try and update it. I think one unfortunate consequence of this sort of just trying to make this be all things to all people is that I'm not sure that it will. I think there could be an un unfortunate consequence whereby people are just desperately trying to shoehorn everything into this necessary for the service requested by the user exemption because where is there left you can't get consent for everything on the internet already people are sort of having this conflict in terms of not needing not wanting to overwhelm users with consent concerns about dark patterns are making also people more nervous about asking for consents so you know i'm not i'm not sure whether this does lead us to more consents or not really or whether instead everyone just tries desperately to go for those exemptions and say everything must be necessary for the service so that's a great segue into the one of the things i wanted to ask you about which is uh, that this is clearly quite an expansive some some would say expansionist approach that the edpb is taking do you think there's a risk that because or if we're in a world where pretty much every technology that you need to to market on the web and to advertise on the web 
is subject to Article 5.3, that essentially the distinction between privacy protective or privacy enhancing technologies and the really nasty stuff that the uh, EDPB is trying to get at is just eroded. So that, you know, why would you go for a privacy enhancing technology if it's still subject to Article 5.3? You still need consent or you've still got to somehow figure out why it's strictly necessary. This has definitely been a concern that a lot of people have raised in response to the guidance. For I've seen, for example, the comment that contextual advertising would arguably need consent in the sense of it requires store, temporary at least storage of the ad whilst it loads on your device. There might be some measurement involved with that contextual ad. So is that then going to require a consent for that contextual ad? But then why not bother just doing targeted ads if you need consent for te- for contextual ads as well. So I think there is like definitely a risk that you sort of throw the baby out with the bathwater or some other apt idiom at this point, because there's just no incentive anymore to do anything less protective if everything you do needs consent. So from everything we've talked about, it's pretty clear that this guidance from the EDPB could have significant consequences. But at the moment, it is just guidance. It's not necessarily the law, although I think it's probably a statement of what the EDPB thinks the law is. But what kind of force does this guidance have? Are we going to see DPAs start adopting the analysis that the EDPB proposes and start finding companies for their newsletter signups? How how worried should we be or how excited should we be, depending on your your point of view? So there's a question. As I said, one I think a crucial point to remember about e-privacy um, is because it's a directive, it is enforced locally by each member state based on their national law. And it's actually not always even enforced by the Data Protection Authority. Some countries have a different authority enforcing e-privacy compared to GDPR. And they have very different fines in some countries. And so enforcement will really vary very much from as between each member state. I think you can assume some level of synergy between the EDPB and what at least the local data protection authorities think, because of course they're on the EDPB. And so I think we can assume this is what at least most of the DPAs probably think. There is a whole question about enforcement. I mean, one of the sort of interesting and sort of if you if you're really into the weeds of data protection and it's um and the, the excitement around enforcement is that it is because it is enforced at a national level, a lot of people, a lot of um, data protection authorities who are a bit cross about the one stop shop and where that have left the tech companies all being regulated out of Ireland. Some people are seeing this The cynics, cynics amongst us would see this as a fairly clear land grab by some of the other data protection authorities who think, well, we're really cross that we can't enforce the GDPR Um against lots of the parties who we would like to because of the one-stop shop. And so instead, we're going to use e-privacy, take a hugely expansionist approach to e-privacy and do enforcement that way. Enforcement of e-privacy has traditionally been quite low, leaving aside the Keneal that's done a few high profile and big fines in the last few years. Um, And I think we might see more of that um, depending on the appetite in the local member state, depending on their fining powers. I mean, one interesting thing for the UK, of course, it's EDPB guidance. It's not binding in the UK, but big change potentially coming this year, or not this year, sorry, getting ahead of myself, aren't I? 2024 is an increase in the PECA fining powers of the ICO from their current 500,000 up to GDPR levels. And don't forget, we're talking about the same law here, the same language. So if the ICO took the same approach as the EDPB, they've suddenly got GDPR level fines to enforce this 
kind of guidance. So I think it will be really interesting. Clearly, the data protection authorities have a lot on their plate, right? They've got big ambitions and there's a lot that they're getting very excited about AI, um, you know, biometric data, children's data. So, I mean, you know, whether they have the time or inclination to divert real attention to cookie banners, we'll see. But I think we can't rule it out, particularly as it's a handy stick to bypass the one-stop shop. That's a really interesting context for where this all sits in the the policy and, and legal picture. One of the things you said earlier um, is that this is, just for now, draft guidance and that there's a consultation going on at the moment. If there is such a big or large divergence in in the way that people are likely to respond to the guidance, not just be regulated by it, potentially, or by um, DPAs, do you think it's going to change? Is this what we're stuck with now? Is this what we're blessed with now? Or This is the, the question on everyone's lips at the moment. I think it might change a bit. I'm hopeful it will. I think that there's been such a strong reaction to it. And I think that a lot of people's reaction is this needs clarifying. So I think that potentially the EDPB could change it a lot without feeling like they were having to do a climb down, but simply putting a bit more clarity in there about some of the things that people are really worried about. Like we haven't even talked about IP addresses, you know, and there's, so I think my, I am cautiously optimistic. The guidance has changed before, not often, but this sort of version one out for consultation has resulted in some edits. And so I would really hope that at least, you know, the EDPB at least puts a bit more context and perhaps clears up some of the I'm going to see slightly more lazy drafting. I'm going to be a bit mean there. But I think, you know, there are some areas of the guidance that could definitely be clearer and tightened up. Yeah, late Christmas present. Exactly. So then finally, we've done some talking about the specifics, we've talked about the context. As a, as a takeaway, what would your advice be to any businesses that might be listening and are worried that they're soon going to have to start work on cookie notices 2.0, 3.0? What, what can we do about this apart from respond to the consultation? I think, I mean, it, it clearly it depends hugely on how you're using these technologies. But I think the big takeaway is that for all sort of people's, oh, my goodness, and this can't quite be right. I think we definitely are in a world where e-privacy is so much broader than just cookies. So I think taking a step back and thinking about, OK, well, what technologies do I use online uh, that do look a bit broader than cookies? Um, and then trying to understand that would be my would be my suggestion. Are there any that you need to perhaps beef up your CMP to cover? Are there any that you should think about? Should we be using this at all? Are there some that you need to be really clear? This is strictly necessary to provide the service. I think having that level of understanding at least would be a really, really good first step to, to knowing knowing at least your level of exposure. Wonderful. I think that's all we've got time for today. But thank you so much, Hannah, for telling us about the new guidance. Um, and I hope you'll all join us next time. Sorry, we're going to interject. No, no, wasn't actually. I was just going to say thank you very much. So uh, I think we can leave that bit in the edit, you know. <laughs> Thanks very much, everyone. And have a very, very happy Christmas. <laughs>